Okay, guys, uh, welcome back to the Small Business Big Stories podcast. It's been a little while. I've just been really busy and uh, figuring things out on my own in terms of entrepreneurship and balancing a nine to five, but I'm so happy to be back. Um, I have Lana here, which I'm super excited about. Uh, and Lana, yeah, you and I have been in contact for a little while now. Yep. And just like myself, you know, just been trying to navigate a really busy schedule. Um, <laughs> and we finally made it here today, which is awesome. Um, Lana runs uh, Women Who Freelance. And I'm going to pass it on to Lana just to give us a bit more detail. I like to do like as little talking as possible. That's fine. Just so I give you the opportunity to highlight everything that you're doing. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, So I'm Lana. I am a freelance marketing consultant. That's what I'm doing currently freelancing full time. And I run a community called Women Who Freelance, which you're familiar with. I'm not sure how you joined the community. Maybe you joined the Facebook group or like found us on Instagram. But we're essentially an online community and a directory for women freelancers in Canada. We have three chapters. The first one is Toronto, which is the biggest chapter. We have about 17,000 people, I think, at this point. Wow. Um, and then we have the Montreal community and then the Vancouver community, which is smaller, but still a mighty, you know, it's still busy there. Um, the community is definitely growing. So excited to see where that goes. But that's essentially Women of Freelance. Yeah, it's incredible. I actually came across you through a colleague of mine. Uh, she runs an all women's uh, gym. Okay. So any woman who or a woman who identify or a person who identifies as a female yeah. um, is welcome at the gym. And uh, yeah, she let me know about your page. She's like, have you ever uh, heard of women who freelance? She was like, I joined the page a while ago and it's a great page to network um, and to see what other women in Toronto um, or in Canada uh, are doing and a way, you know, to sort of help each other out and to have those conversations about, you know, that main, the reason why we're all on the page, which is freelancing. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. Uh, and yeah, what I saw in just the few seconds (laughs) that I joined it was so incredible. I felt such a warm welcome. I felt that sense of community. Uh, I felt that everyone was there to help each other. And it's, it was a little strange to be honest, Mm -hmm. because in a lot of settings, I often feel as though, especially when you're in the entrepreneurship role, it can be quite cutthroat. Uh Um, It can be quite Mm -hmm. competitive and which is fine. I think competition is fine, Uh, but I didn't get really a sense of that at mm-hmm. all when joining your page. Yeah. It was very much, you know, somebody would post something and then it would be like five to 20 comments about how everyone else in the group could help that person. Right. Either find someone where they, you know, they were looking for a service to find someone to fulfill that, uh, that need or to help out if somebody was looking for some kind of work. Yep. So I think that you have built something absolutely incredible. Thank you. When did you start Women Who Freelance? Um, it's a story in itself, actually. So I was um, I was freelancing full time as well back then. So yeah. I jumped around between freelance work and working full time, and it was the first time starting out. So I didn't know where to find clients. I didn't know what to charge. There were so many questions I had. So I did what 
a lot of people don't do. I went on Kijiji. Yeah. And I found my first client. Like I looked up keywords um, people looking for. Back then I was doing social media management, blog writing. I was doing everything. I yes. Was, I was essentially telling them if you have any kind of work, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and I posted on Kijiji, found a client. And then when he asked me, what do you charge? I had no idea. So I kind of came up with a rate that right now I realize was very low. Yes. Even for someone starting out. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that, starting to try, try trying to find clients all around. Um, and then just like all the questions that I had in my head where I didn't know, you know, taxes and what other communities exist for women freelancers. I was working in coffee shops by myself. It was super lonely. Yeah. And I was part of a Facebook group in the States that was also catered towards women freelancers. And I reached out to them and I said, listen, you know, I want to expand you into Canada. Like I want to start a chapter. I feel like there's a lot of demand. And we did a lot of back and forth. They were, they were really awesome about it and they wanted to pursue this. And then at some point um, they ghosted me. Like I'd never heard back. So I emailed a few times, sent a few reminders, really wanted to, to like expand their brand into Canada. And Eventually, after a while, I really didn't want to start my own brand. It was just like overwhelming for me. I was trying to navigate freelancing. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? Like this needs to exist in Canada. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to expand into Canada, that's fine. I'm just going to start my own thing. So I called it Women of Freelance, started a Facebook group. Um, Essentially just, it was like for me to find other women that I could be friends with and like communicate with um, and talk about all things freelancing and started that Facebook group. It was maybe like five people. I promoted it in other Facebook groups. And then it grew super quickly. Yeah. That's what happened. It's funny because that's why I started this podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for a little bit of selfish reasons. Right. Because I was looking for that network myself. I was trying to network or trying to figure out the world of entrepreneurship and network in a way that would make sense to that, where I could lean on other women Uh, for that support and for guidance and to figure out like what the heck I was doing, right? Because things like, what am I going to charge? Um, what are, you know, what are my packages going to look like? That idea of like packaging your service was like, um, I don't don't know. (laughs) And so, yeah, this is why I started this, this podcast was because I wanted to fill my toolbox of information. Um, and once I felt good and ready, then I could go about my own entrepreneurship path. Right. So yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because I think, you know, most businesses or most organizations or pages or groups start because of that, like your own personal need for something, your own desire. And you're just like, well, I can't find it out there. Uh Right. If there's demand then people are looking for it, like if you're looking for it, other people are too. So if you put something out there, you see demand, you see some traction, then it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you started your page, was it just a matter like, how did people start to join was it like word of mouth was a lot of it was in the beginning I did a lot of promotion so there are other women groups that exist in Ontario Mm -hmm. um, and I posted in them and I said you know if you're a freelancer you should join this group we're just going to be a small community and talk about all things freelancing yeah Um, I did that for maybe a month and then since then it's just grown organically like I haven't promoted anything it's just been word of mouth 
Um, in the beginning, there was a lot of learning, like managing a Facebook community is not easy. No. You have to monitor, you have to make sure you have rules in place. You have to make sure that people are not spamming. If mm-hmm. they're promoting themselves, they're not promoting in a spammy way. Yes. And there's a lot of a lot of groups that I was part of, they had that issue. Like you go in and you see just a lot of kind of irrelevant, like photos and uh, videos being shared with no context. And then you scroll and you don't find any information, right? Yes. So for my group, I really wanted to make sure that every single post is vetted so even now you can't post without us approving yeah so i go into every single post i make sure that um, it meets our community guidelines and then then it can be posted right um you also made mention of a directory yeah so what does that mean exactly for women who freelance yeah so um the facebook group was you know growing for about two years and i realized we needed some kind of resources or like a website, something more formal yeah. to, to put in place. And I was, a lot of the issues that a lot of freelancers were having was that some of them didn't have a website, for instance, but wanted to have some kind of like a web presence okay, to show their work. And a lot of them just didn't know how to find clients. Like there was no centralized place where right now as a Canadian business, if you want to hire freelancers, you might go on Upwork. Mm-hmm. So there's freelancing platforms out right. there, but they're not, the rates there and the competition is, the rates are very low because yeah. it is overseas. A lot of the people who are working there are overseas and the standard for how much you can charge is very low. Yeah. Um, so I found that and um, I wanted to create something where you can go and find freelancers, whether you want to refer people whether you want to get inspiration on like your own website and see what other people are doing, how much they're charging. Yeah. And also just to promote to recruiters and companies in Canada um, to find their own freelancers. So a directory was the best way to do that. Yeah. So that's how it started. And we have about 200 freelancers, I think, listed on the directory as of today. That's and amazing. a lot of them, I actually had an event last week, a virtual networking event. Okay. And um, one of the two women there who are part of the directory, one of them said that she found her dream client on the directory. So the dream client reached out to them, found them on the directory, and then sent them a message. And now they're working together. Yes. And the second one said that her traffic, she, she monitors her Google Analytics, and that went up significantly since she was listed on the directory. And I promoted, you know, I reach out to, on LinkedIn to recruiters. If I see someone's hiring a lot of freelancers, I'll reach out to them and see and say, you know, here's a resource. You should hire these women. And it's worked so far, so... Yeah. That's that. You're giving me goosebumps. Oh. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just so great to hear the amount of support yeah. that you've created and, um, and, and just to hear the feedback from the members of yeah. your directory, just say like, you created this opportunity and now their businesses have flourished. I'm sure that feels like amazing. That yeah. gives you goosebumps I too. Know. And you know, I have, uh, th- Obviously, there's imposter syndrome, and I think a lot of freelancers have this, a lot of business owners have this. So a lot of, like, in the beginning when I launched the directory, I didn't ask these questions because I was so scared of the feedback that I was going to get. But the moment I actually launched the survey, I think, a year into the directory, and I found that, you know, more than 70% of the women on the directory have found clients through the directory, which for me was amazing. But I just remember contemplating with myself and saying, you know, do I want to ask this question? What if it's not working? Um, and being really worried. And then when I asked that question, it gave me the confidence to keep going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Because, you know, you get to a point where 
those those questions come in your head. And I think at least for myself personally, I'm just like, I'm at a point where I just, I just have to go for it. Yeah. Like I can't let fear yeah. get in the way anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's great that, you know, that was, you were able to kind of like, you know, take it upon yourself and really say like, I want to take that step. And I mean, look where, look where it got you. Right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned something about how one of the members of your directory said she found her, her perfect client or her ideal client. Um, what do you think? Because a lot of the listeners, uh, are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. And what do you think that means? Like to have an ideal client or to find your perfect client? What do you think that means? How do you formulate that? Mm -hmm. So a question that I like to ask our directory members when they join, that's one of the questions on the forums is actually, who is your ideal client? Yeah. Makes them think about it, um, understand who their persona is, like who's who's that person that they're marketing to. Um, it comes from that. Like, I think thinking of your persona, the people who will benefit the most from your services that you will enjoy working with, mm-hmm. and that's essentially your ideal client. It can mean different things for different people. For some people, an ideal client is someone who pays a lot of money, yeah. and, and that's it, you know, and that's fair. I yeah. get that. For other people, you know, maybe it's an industry or a brand that they really like, or um, maybe someone really wants to work with beauty brands or legal firms. There's so many different ones, and a lot of the times if they find that ideal client, a lot of the times they'll actually say, you know, I can discount my services for you because I really want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of that as well. So I think it can mean different things for different people. For me personally, as a freelancer, it's, it's a mix. I think it's someone who obviously pays the rate that I have. Yes. Um, respects my boundaries. That's a big one for freelancing. Mm -hmm. Um, has good communication and someone within an industry that I enjoy, you know, working with a product that I enjoy working with. Yeah. So I think for me, that's that. Yeah. And I think that's super helpful, especially the boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, because as an entrepreneur, it can be really easy to just be like, okay, you need me now? Like, okay, let me answer now because I'm available now. And it, you know, it's happening right in front of me right now. Yeah. And You know, especially when you are not only an entrepreneur, but maybe even someone who's balancing a nine to five Mm -hmm. alongside your business uh, and maybe you're just starting out. I think it's so easy easy. to forget about that boundary piece because you just want to build your business and you get excited. I'm speaking from personal Mm -hmm. experience. I get so excited Mm -hmm. and then I'm just like, okay, like I can just be an octopus and get things done here and here and here while I'm sitting right here. And then you burn out like, yes, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if there's something that you can say in regards to your experience with setting those boundaries, how did you go about that? What made you say like, okay, no, this is how I'm going to run my business. So obviously I've had a lot of bad experiences as every freelancer. Um, when I started out, then there's a client that I remember distinctly who, um, in the very beginning, as we were, you know, getting the contract signed and everything, she she emailed me so many times. Like there were 10, 10 emails and one thread of emails that were yeah. sent within maybe like an hour of like thoughts and like very disorganized. Yes. And that already to me was a red flag. But yes. I, I pursued it because I was excited. For sure. Of course. And um, 
I remember she would text me during like any hour of the day. And there were like five text messages. And it was it was my fault because I didn't set that boundary. Now what I do, actually, I put it in my contract. You can contact me within these hours. Wonderful. And they know that. And I stress it in our you know discovery call that I'm only available maybe from like Monday to Thursday between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. If I, when I worked full time, it was after 6 p.m. Yes. And if they don't respect that, then we can't work together. And I, yeah. and I think that's so important. Like put it in your contract. That's something I say to a lot of freelancers. That way it's there. You know, if they break the contract or if they decide not to respect your boundaries, then you can refer to the contract and say, you know, actually this is listed here. Yes. And from there, if you realize that, you know, they don't respect your boundaries, then you just stop working together. And yeah. I've done that before. Really? Yeah. With that client that I mentioned. Yeah. After a while, I just, after a month, I, I couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, I emailed her and said, I don't, I don't think this is a good fit. Yeah. And I can refer you to other freelancers, but um, I don't think we can work together anymore. Yeah, it's, it's tricky to find that balance. Because like you said, it's, you get really excited. Yeah. But then it's like, especially when you're balancing other things, but even if you're not balancing other things, right. Mm -hmm. And you're just, you're freelancing and that's what you do. Um, it's important to kind of keep that, that space for yourself and people, I think need to realize that more and more, you know, I even remember during COVID, um, or the peak of COVID, Mm -hmm. I, it was even hard with working my nine to five, Um, in addition to, uh, doing my, you know, running my side business because there was no real separation of work and home. Absolutely. hundred percent. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even a lot of freelancers now, you know, especially if you're using part of your home, like, you know, I've, I've worked with a freelancer who uses part of her home as her photography studio. Mm -hmm. And so physically there's no separation separation between home and work. And so I think it makes it even harder to set Mm -hmm. those boundaries. But I think when you do, it's just so, um, it's, it's very powerful and you feel like you are definitely more in control. And I think you know, in general, people will respect you more for it Absolutely, because, or the, you know, the clients that you want to gravitate towards you, you know, will respect more of that Mm -hmm. because you're a person, Yeah, you know, and you're not a robot and you can only do so many things. And yeah, so I think it's really important for anyone who is thinking about, you know, exploring entrepreneurship or maybe in the beginning phases, or maybe you've been doing it for a while and it's something that you struggle with. Uh, yeah, it's important to keep in mind that you are one person and you need to make space for yourself. Absolutely. And it's a journey. I, this is a question that came up in that event that I was telling you about that I had last week. Yeah. Um, I'm currently new to full-time freelancing. I have been doing that for about a month yes. and I'm having trouble, like as an experienced freelancer, I'm having trouble separating yeah. uh, my clients. I, I'm working with different agencies and different clients and how do I, you know, set my schedule and make sure I'm not working past those hours. And I want to make sure that everything's organized because I function better that way. And it's a question that came up in the community. There were about 20 freelancers on the call and everyone was struggling with it. It Oh yeah. And uh, people who were experienced, maybe I've been doing this for 20 years. They were still struggling. So it's a journey Uh, you learn as you go, but it's not super straightforward. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since we live in such an 
online world mm-hmm. now. Uh, again, you know, with the peak of COVID, uh, everything really became like a lot of services became virtual. Um, so a lot of businesses transitioned. And so when you have your business in your hand Mm -hmm. and you have your social in your hand, you essentially have everything in your hand. It's hard to, to make that distinction, to set that boundary for yourself. Um, what were some of the suggestions in the, in the virtual yeah. Event. Great suggestions. Um, yeah. One of them said, you know, time block your time yeah. and make sure your calendar, even if it's not a meeting, you know, put in two hours, I'm working on this, three hours, I'm working on this. And that way it keeps you a little more organized, have a to-do list. That's another one that right. people mentioned that at the end of the day, you feel like you've accomplished I something. I love a good to-do list. Mm-hmm. When you that just you check, check oh my gosh, or yeah. cross things off. Uh-huh. I don't understand what it is. And I know like... I know a lot of people who do feel the same satisfaction, but when I talk about it at length, sometimes <laughs> some people look at me and they're like, it's a list. Calm down. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't understand. This list is paramount to Absolutely. my, my ability to function. For sure. I, I haven't been doing much of that and I need to start doing it. Yeah. Um, project management softwares exist as well. So that way you can move things along, you know, the funnel, the stages. Yeah. And, um, or you can maybe possibly get like a time tracking software. There's so many tools available. It's just navigating and understanding what works for you. Absolutely. Uh, so what made you pick freelancing? Like what made you, you know, have that interest in marketing and then be like, you know what, I'm going to do this yeah. on my own or yeah. try this. Yeah. Dip my toes in the water and, and see what it's like to do this solo. For sure. Um, so I started freelancing about a year after graduating university. Okay. In university, I studied political science. I worked as a marketer, so very different fields. Yes. I started dabbing into marketing back in university, did some like internships and stuff like that, and really wanted to understand whether this is something I want to do. After graduation, I found a job in marketing, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really a marketing job. The title was a marketing job, but what I was doing was actually not marketing. It was a lot of project management. It was some like trade show organization and stuff like that. And then about half a year into that job, there was some restructuring and they put me into a sales role. Got it. So I was essentially fresh out of university trying to figure out what kind of marketing I like to do, which way I want to niche down. And they put me into the sales job and I have no opportunity to figure out what I like doing within marketing. I didn't like sales. That was for sure. Yes. And uh, you knew what you didn't want. Exactly. <laughs> and um, essentially that was it. I said, you know, why don't I find projects on the side and try to figure out at least that will give me, you know, flexibility a bit of adding things to my resume. That's one thing. And then another thing is it's for me to try out what I like to do and what I don't like to do. So as I mentioned, when I started freelancing, I offered social media services. It was blog writing, website creation. It was a lot of everything. Yes. And it helped me figure out what I like doing. Yeah. So that was very helpful. Uh, and I recommend that to anyone, honestly, any, even if you're not looking to freelance long-term, but if you're trying to figure out what you like to do, pick up a few projects here and there and then see which one makes you happier and which one makes you more passionate and then go from there. Yeah. I think, you know, there is this fear, at least personally speaking. And I know, you know, speaking to, to my group of friends too, um, there, there's a lot of fear that comes with doing things on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that growing up in the household that I did grateful for it, you know, had a great upbringing, but it also was an upbringing that came from a generation of, 
you go to school, mm-hmm. um, you do post-secondary school, yep. you graduate, you find that nine to five job. And that's it. You, yeah. You yep. get the pension, you mm-hmm. get that, you know, you get the benefits, you buy a house, you start your family, the end. Yeah. You know, Same. and yeah, Same yeah, I think a lot of people, at least like our age, um, coming up at the age of what, are, what is the name of our generation? Are we millennials? millennials. We are millennials. We are millennials. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So being a millennial, we still come from that generation of like being raised by that generation mm-hmm. who very much believed in that kind of structured life. Yeah. And stability. Yes. Stability is so important. And staying at yeah. a job for like 30 plus uh-huh. years. Yeah. I could not imagine that. No. Um, and so, yeah, to play around with that idea of, okay, my parents and my grandparents are telling me, you know, this is what security means. This is what living a life is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then seeing what others are sort of dabbling with more and more and thinking, huh, like maybe that's something that I'd like to try out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's scary. It's scary. Cause like, yeah. you know, your, your family has a certain expectation. Society has a certain expectation mm-hmm. of you. Society is structured around these expectations. You know, banks are, you know, institutions are structured around yeah. these expectations, yep. you know? So when you have like an entire world basically saying like, this is how, or at least, you know, within the, the Western world, this mm-hmm. is how you should, your life should be laid out. And you're just like, uh, okay, I guess. Uh, so I remember, you know, wanting to dabble here and there, just like what you were saying about, mm-hmm. you know, try different things, you, you know, let that be your starting point of entrepreneurship yeah. or providing a service for me. It immediately brought back when I first started thinking about starting my own business or starting my own brand and being like, okay, like, what do I want this to be? Mm-hmm. And And I'm still figuring things out of, you know, trying things here, trying things there and seeing how I can build something to offer to others, you know, as, as a business, because I have a fitness brand, I have a fitness, like a personal training and group fitness uh, business. Um, And, you know, I was, I've been sharing this a little bit more, but I'm, am in the process of, of wanting to start a child and youth mentoring program. I, you know, I have a deep passion for education. And so, you know, just having the flexibility, at least in my mind of just saying like, you know what, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try this. Like when I tell people that, you know, I worked at a veterinary emergency clinic (laughs) and I also did property management and I also did this and that, you know, it makes me think I didn't have a focus, but I'm kind of grateful for that. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that yeah, it's important for people to hear that, that yeah. it is okay to try different things in different industries. Like, as you know, I'm doing a real estate license. Yes. So something I decided to pursue on the side to see if I like it or not. It's so different from what I do on a day to day. Right. And yeah. it's not at all related to marketing. It, it can be in some way or another, but I just I saw potential and I decided to try it. If it doesn't work out, I'm not going to be mad about it. At least I tried. For sure. For sure. And it's become a lot less about 
what other people think. And I think that just comes with like time and experience, Mm -hmm. just living life in general, where you just, you can start off being very afraid of, well, what does this mean? You know, I'm, I'm not going down this path that a lot of maybe my peers are going down. Um, and I'm wanting to just do more exploration. I don't have a definitive answer of what I want to do. Um, I was actually just talking to a friend about this last night where, you know, if I, I don't have any regrets, but if I could do it over again, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have gone to university right after high school. Mm, Interesting. I think that I would have taken a year off to figure out what What it is Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do and maybe travel or just work um, just to figure it out a little bit more because at 17 and 18 years old, you have no idea. At 31, mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah. I get let that. alone 17, 18. I get that. I think yeah. going to university, the reason I studied political science, I wanted to go to law school. As I did the same. You did the same. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> um, it, it was just such a thing to do. Obviously, you know, law makes you good money. It's stable. Yeah. It's in need. And it's something worth pursuing. So I went into political science as that was like the most logical step to get into law. For sure. And then within... Maybe like my second year, I started networking a lot and I realized there were other jobs out there. Like, it sounds funny, but I didn't know marketing was a job. I didn't know that like there were some, I didn't know startups existed. I was so oblivious and I come from an immigrant family. So we're taught that there's, you know, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, a teacher, and that's it. Same. There you go. (laughs) No, absolutely. It was, you know, these are kind of your choices. And again, this is the generation that they were raised in. This is what, yeah, you I know, yeah, yeah, I understand. They, you know, left, and I say they, just like based on, you know, perhaps your family and mine as well, they left their home country mm-hmm. to provide opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. And so what that opportunity meant was a doctor, Mm -hmm. a lawyer, a teacher, um, and taking on those roles that they knew would bring you financial success and stability. And I think there's, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I did definitely learn was it could bring about a lot of fear, like I mentioned, if your mind is not really going down yeah, 100%. those avenues. Yeah. And I was scared too, you know, when I graduated and decided not to go to law school, I didn't know if I would get a job in marketing. I didn't have the education in marketing. And luckily I found that job. Luckily I started freelancing and it brought me where I am today. Yes. But I was taking the risk, you know, I could have just gone into, you know, I did a degree in political science. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't want to pursue law school. I should have gone and worked for the government possibly or tried to find that kind of job. And I, it didn't interest me. I didn't want to do that. Uh, it's really creating the opportunity for yourself. And back in university, doing those you know, side projects, um, trying to get some experience within the field, really taking the risk and seeing if you like it, that's so important. A lot of people just think that there's one trajectory and they have to do it the way it's done, the yes. way they expect it to be done. And that's not the case, at least for me. And I'm so happy I did it the way I did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look what's come out of it, yeah. right? And not just, you know, your virtual presence, but also in person. Like not too long ago, mm-hmm. I went to one of your in-person events um, in Toronto and it was 
absolutely incredible. I had never been to an event solo before. (laughs) uh, And to go to a networking event where I didn't know anybody was very nerve wracking for me. Uh, You know, I am a pretty outgoing person, but I do have my shy moments, especially when I'm walking into a space where I don't know anyone. And it didn't last very long because the smiles that I saw, the conversations that were going on, it was hard not to get wrapped up in it all. Yeah. So when did the in-person mm-hmm. event start? Um, actually, right after I started the community, I wanted to focus on events because yes. I liked organizing them. Um, Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love getting people together, love getting beautiful venues, looking for them and um, seeing people network. I think that's definitely a passion of mine. So right after starting Women Who Freelance, an organization reached out to me that did some kind of networking events like these and they wanted to partner up with me and see if we could bring people in and have people network with each other. Yeah. So they provided the venue and uh, I, you know, marketed to my community. We had maybe like 40 people show up, which was great. This is back when the group was maybe, you know, 200 people. Fantastic. Yeah, so it was pretty impressive and I loved the event. It was great. So many people, we actually had a microphone on stage and freelancers, you know, as an entrepreneur, a lot of them are very shy. They don't like to, they don't know how to pitch themselves. So yeah. we had a microphone and we wanted to encourage people to go on stage and talk about their business. And that way other people will know what they do yes. and possibly refer them to and maybe there, there will be employers at the at the event so almost everyone went up on stage oh, that's great. it was amazing and I was so surprised because knowing a lot of these people even personally a lot of people were shy and um, the fact that they you know felt confident enough it was such a community feeling that they felt confident enough to go on stage and pitch themselves was incredible so I love that and then we started doing more events like that Uh, Whether there were workshops, we did a branding workshop, we did a panel discussion, we did a tax event. Amazing. Um, So a lot of in-person events, and I love doing that. And then COVID happened, so we didn't have any events. Yes. Um, We started doing virtual events, virtual networking, virtual workshops. We still do them just to cater to other, you know, people who don't live in Toronto, because obviously I'm here and I can't organize an event in Montreal and Vancouver, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, cloning is not so accessible right now. Exactly. And, um... So it was virtual events for a while. And that event that you went to a month ago was our first in-person event since COVID. Because it just took a while. I wasn't sure if people were comfortable. Um, People kept asking me to do an in-person event. So finally, I decided, you know, probably it's time. And I'm so happy we did it. And I want to do more. Even that energy that was so contagious that I would love to, you know, do this monthly. But it is a lot of work. Absolutely. Uh, And when, you know, when you bring women together, Mm -hmm. it can be such a powerful experience again like you you created such a supportive community that it translates to everything that you do and just by you know meeting you and talking to you it's like you want this to be about everyone else Mm -hmm. and about everyone else's growth and I could feel it in the event, Mm -hmm. you know, I could feel it talking to you now, um, and through our like email exchanges. So it's like, it's such a great energy that you give off. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very much like I'm here for what you need in the best way possible. And with my boundary set, (laughs) um, but I'm here to see everyone grow. Um, and everyone, yeah, flourish in their business. Do you remember who your first member was or like your first couple of members? I don't remember, but there are a few members that 
joined at the very beginning or came maybe to the first event. Yeah. And now they're so successful. Yeah. You know, like I've seen, I've been able to watch them grow and f- obviously I follow them on Instagram and I constantly check Facebook and I and I see where they were in the beginning and then where they are now and it's incredible how quickly you can grow your business if you have the right community around you right. and a lot of it was due to women who freelance because they found their clients there they found a network there to be able to do things better you know yeah. and uh, ask for advice and it's it's incredible that's what keeps me going because obviously I I don't monetize in the community too much. There's obviously the directory and then we have events that we um, charge for very accessible fees. And it's essentially to just keep the community going, you know, website domain, there's software, there's emails and things like that. So um, it's hard to run something that, you know, is not, you know, it doesn't bring you a lot of money, especially if you don't have much time. Yes. And the reason really that I kept it going was that was seeing the growth. I, I realized if I stop doing this now, then it won't exist. Yeah. And then maybe someone else will take over and it won't run the same way. And it's right. just, you know, for me, it's just, it's my passion project. It it's makes your baby. Me happy. It's my baby. Yeah. It's my creative outlet. I, the type of marketing I do now, it's very analytical and very like process oriented. So I don't do a lot of creative stuff and women yeah. of freelance for me is that creative outlet. It's, for me to go there and organize events and run social media accounts and create design, you know, work on my website, write blogs. And sometimes I, it's even like a hobby for me at this point because I like doing it. And then that's where I'll go if I feel that my day has become very just like operational, if that yes. makes sense. What an, yeah, what an incredible thing to have. You know, people often spend quite a bit of time finding mm-hmm. what it is that you just said, Yeah, you know, and that sort of brings me to this, this sort of topic that gets brought up a lot of, you know, age and Mm -hmm. being somewhere in your life (laughs) at a certain age or Uh a certain point in your life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like entrepreneurship gives you that opportunity to explore no matter what age you you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel, yeah, I feel like this world of you know, blossoming entrepreneurship has opened that up for more people, even within their more, you know, uh, nine to five careers Mm -hmm. where, you know, I've seen people start off in one industry for several years. And then they decide in like their forties and Mm -hmm. fifties that they're going to go get their doctorate degree Mm -hmm. or, you know, finish their university degree or go to college and these things for another, you know, diploma or whatever it may be. Yeah. I I think that we've just been in this incredible space where openness Mm -hmm. and exploration has become that much more accessible. And I think a part of that has been entrepreneurship has been people more open to exploring themselves mm-hmm. and their interests yeah. and you know bringing up that point i was wondering if you saw you know during you know the peak of covid mm-hmm. if you saw any sort of change yeah. or growth within the network because you know people were maybe had more time to think about mm-hmm. what is it that i really want yeah. uh, or you know, I, I still have my nine to five, 
but I still, you know, I have this like spare time that I have at home and it's given me time to reflect. And now I'm thinking, okay, am I where I want to be? Did you find that so much in the platform? Yeah. It's funny you ask because during COVID, I think was the period where we grew the most. I think before I'm trying to remember before COVID, we maybe had 6,000 people and then during COVID, at least within those like two years, it was another, it was double that, you know, it was so quick. And a lot of it was women, people were getting laid off. That was one thing. And they wanted to explore other ways to generate income. That was one. A lot of people didn't want to do their job anymore because as you mentioned, you know, everything was online now. And then they were working from home. They realized that maybe this is not something they want to do. For a lot of people going to the office was the primary part of why they wanted a corporate job. And then when they realized they're working from home anyway, it didn't matter. Yes. Uh, A lot of mothers who wanted to, you know, do something on the side, generate some income on the side as they were raising their baby, for instance, there were so many scenarios like that. And I'm I'm very happy COVID happened because freelancing is a lot more popular now. And I think it happened during COVID. And it's just the openness towards, you know, trying something new and working for yourself. And I truly believe that you can do it on the side of your full-time job if you want to. If you have the time, it's definitely doable. If you feel like, you know, it's getting too much and you have the financial cushion and then you have the clients, then you can do it full-time. There are so many options, you know, it's not one way or another. A lot of freelancers within my community, I had these conversations with a lot of people because I was working full-time freelancing on the side. And they were like, well, are we really freelancers? Because, you know, we have a full-time job. So is this yes. like a hobby? Are we side hustlers? You know, that term came up yes. a lot. And I said, no, absolutely not. If you are providing freelance services, no matter what they are, you could be baking bread. You could be, you know providing legal consulting, you could be an accountant. There's so many different ways of doing it. You are a freelancer and there's no, you know, set way of doing that. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter if you have a full-time job and or have something as another part-time job on the side. It really doesn't. Absolutely. I think it's something that we as a society struggle with and sometimes yeah, and I I struggle with it, including myself, I struggle with it. But it is like trying to always put something in a box, Mm -hmm. like trying to put something in a category. Right. And so if you do this, then you're this kind of person. If you do this, then you're this kind of person. If you, uh, if you work a nine to five and then also freelance, like, are you really a freelance? Those questions sort of come up because the area is so gray at that point, you know, but in our minds, we want to find the black and white and, Again, the thing about entrepreneurship is that it's not. It's not a box. No. You can't fit it into a box. No. No. It is something that is based on a lot of exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that you as a person just have to be, and, and I find that with entrepreneurs, they're the type of people that are really open to that risk taking mm-hmm. and it's, it's scary. It's really scary. (laughs) Um, So open to that risk taking and open to the idea of, okay, if this doesn't work out, then I'm going to try this. Exactly. And if that doesn't work out, then I'll try this. And at the end of the day, I'll make it work because I am who I am Mm -hmm. and I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, it, it can get scary because again, we live in this society that is so structured on, well, 
you know, I have to pay things like rent or mm-hmm. pay a mortgage, mortgage or pay to commute to work yeah. or pay for my car. And so those are like the scary pieces, yeah. right? 100%. And so like your mind may be wanting to do all of this dabbling, mm-hmm. but all of these structures set into place and all these processes yeah. are like, well, you know, it's not that easy. Yeah, it's really not. No, institutionally, yeah. I think getting a mortgage, that, that's one thing that you mentioned, is very hard if you're self-employed. Yes. And you have to show, I think, two years or three years of stable income for the banks to trust you and give you the money that you're looking for. And what I say, a lot of people bring this up. And what I say, you know, if you have to pick up a full-time job for one year or two years, it, it's unfortunate that you have to do that. But if that's the case, to just show the fact that you're getting some income and then go freelance, do that. You know, there's, yeah. I wish we didn't have to do that, but that's, you know, that's the case or benefits. That's, that's another thing that yeah. a lot of people don't have. There's a great organization called um, Lively that we partnered up with and they're trying to solve this challenge. They're trying to provide group benefits to freelancers. That's incredible. Um, and they're, you know, the, the founders, they're amazing and they're really trying to find, you know, solutions to all these issues that freelancers are experiencing institutionally. And yeah. it's not that easy. You know, it's been set in place for years um, centuries right and yeah it's it's very difficult to break that but I think the fact that so many people are trying to that's already amazing for sure and I think it would take a little less of that pressure off mm-hmm. of the scary part yeah. of entrepreneurship right yeah. if there was that level of stability where yeah. it was like I'm able to explore another avenue mm-hmm. uh, but I know that it is going to come with you know benefits yeah. So that I can help support myself in that way, help support a loved one in that way. Uh, I think, yeah, the scary part of of entrepreneurship would would sort of dissipate. Yeah. So that's incredible. The name of the company company is Lively. Lively. Yeah. That's a great name. Yeah. Are they are they Canadian? They're Canadian. Yeah. Okay. That is so cool. Yeah. Also, I'll send you the link later. They're they're awesome, and a lot of my community have used them. Yeah have had a good experience and when I had a conversation with them they, they did mention that they're trying to find solutions to things like mortgages for instance as well mm. so I hope they succeed you know and um, I hope there are more organizations in the future trying to tackle that but having resources like that in place is so important so I actively seek out partnerships with companies like this to just make sure that freelancers are aware because it's hard to find you can't just google these things and come across no. you know these platforms because a lot of them are new and yeah. um that's one one of the things that I recently started doing is monitoring the group, understanding the challenges, and then trying to bring a solution or partnering up with an organization that provides that. Whether it's you know um, insurance, like freelancer insurance, business insurance, we had a partnership with a company that was doing that. Benefits, that's another one. Contracts, so many different questions that come up and people don't know where to go to if they're yeah. willing to pay the money. You know, yeah. there are things in place, resources in place where they can purchase those. Yeah. And it's great to know this because like you said, this information is not always Mm -hmm. out there and easily accessible. So when you provide an amazing community Mm -hmm. with those helpful resources in place, it's like, this is, this is where it's at. Yeah. Uh, So what are some of the businesses that have gravitated towards women who freelance? Uh, one of them is 
owner by RBC Ventures. You might be familiar with them. They essentially help you register your business and incorporate. Okay. So a lot of freelancers, if they're trying to use, for instance, not their uh, full name, Okay. When they're providing freelancing services, if they want to, if they have an agency or something like that, they have to register their business legally. Um, And that's a question that came up a lot in the community. And then if they're looking to incorporate by the time they scale, you know, that's something they can do as well. A lot of this information that it's, it's found, you know, on the CRA website, it's just not, it's very complicated to to navigate. It's not easy. So owner makes it easier to essentially just provide your information in two days, your business is registered i yeah. use them to register women who freelance yeah they were not a partner back then but um the moment i saw how easy it was i reached out to them and i said listen i think this is something that could be a great resource to my community is there an incentive that for example you can provide to them so i can market you to the community and make just everything easier for everyone and that was one of my first partnerships um business insurance insurance was another one that uh helps it's like a online broker for different kinds of business insurance so you can put in you know what kind of insurance you're looking for and they'll provide you a lot of different vendors with their rates and then you can choose the one that you like the most that was another one a a lot of different I'm still trying to figure it out you know what are other challenges that I can help solving but at least these two have been super helpful yeah to the community and like just the simple fact that it's like you know, you're, you're, jo- you're not just like running this page mm-hmm. to have people network mm-hmm. and speak, you know, amongst each other, which is very, very helpful, yeah. but you are also providing that a bit of like that structure mm-hmm. where it's like, this is yes, the, the networking piece is very important, but here are the services to help you flourish as a business yeah. where, you know, they would have otherwise had to, like you said, research here, there and everywhere yeah. Yeah. and maybe not have the best experience in that regard because the information might not be as accessible yeah. or it just might be just so overcomplicated that you don't even know if you're doing it right. Like mm-hmm. it, it seems like that's the right one to choose, but you're not quite sure. So when you have these sort of like vetted yeah. pieces of information sure. that's coming through your page. Yeah. It's like, what else? You're getting like an all-in-one service on this incredible page. Yeah. And I, and I make sure every time I have a partnership call that I vet them very well. I yeah. make sure that there are case studies, testimonials, that they're reputable. I read the reviews. I don't want to recommend anything that I'm not sure about. And a lot of the times what I do recommend is something I've used like owner. You know, I've used it. I know it works. It was perfect. It was great. It was fast. Uh, and that's what I'll recommend to my community. And that's something that I make like put a big emphasis on that there are a lot of brands that reach out to me for partnerships and if I don't know them if I'm not familiar if they don't go with the whole mission of my group then I'm not going to work with them I'm not trying to you know um, go into partnerships with brands that just don't align yeah absolutely that's super important and I think that shows to you know who you are and what you're trying to accomplish you know partnership just the idea of a partnership in general is like wow, what a cool opportunity to work with another company to help scale what you're trying to do um, and to help open it up to another kind of audience. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if there's no alignment there, then what does all of that other Mm -hmm. stuff mean? Exactly. Right. So 
you know, speaking of this incredible community, you have not only developed this community for Toronto, but you have pages set up and events set up and community set up in some other places in Canada as well. So if you can touch upon that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as I started the Toronto group, it grew and I started getting messages from people within other cities in Toronto asking me when is there going to be women of freelance, you know, Edmonton or Calgary. And I, it's, it's hard as, as I mentioned to manage a group. I have two amazing moderators for the Toronto group that are volunteers and they help me with approving posts and things like that. So that's made my job a lot easier because there are maybe a hundred posts a day that we have to go through and it's just, it's a lot of work. Yes. And when I, when people reached out to me about other other groups, other locations, I was hesitant. I wasn't sure if this is something I wanted to do, but I wanted to provide them an opportunity to have a community too. And the Montreal group was the first one that I started, I believe. And it wasn't growing as fast. So I reached out to a few entrepreneurs in Montreal. One of them agreed to manage that community. Her name is Afrina. She's amazing. So she's full on managing that community. Oh, she's wow. done a meetup, I believe. Um, I really fully trust her with, you know, Women of Realize Montreal. She lives there and she knows, you know, who to reach out to for partnerships and things like that. So that was that was Montreal. And then Vancouver was the second one that I created. There are still requests coming in. And I'm still trying to navigate whether, you know, I want to, put all the groups together and just have women of freelance Canada. Yeah. I did survey the community and a lot of people were against that because they like having it, you know, per city. Yeah. It's they like, you know, like having their home represented. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Uh, it's still something I'm trying to navigate. It's possible. I'll do that in the future just to make everything easier. Um, I think that will also provide because freelancers, a lot of them work remotely. If you're not a photographer and you don't need to travel, right. if you're doing social media, graphic design, it doesn't matter where you are. And I feel like, having a Women of Freelance Canada group will provide more jobs and more opportunities to those people. But it's something I'm still thinking about. Um, so not not sure yet what will happen there, but it's, it's possible that we'll have a Women of Freelance Canada and I feel like it will just be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, with with any business or with any anything that you develop on your own, there's always that, you know, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to do with this question that, you know, might be in your head or that's being posed in the groups? And how do you how do you sort of proceed with that? I think that's super exciting. And I'm really excited to see where things go for you and to be a part of this incredible community or communities that you've created um, and attending more of your events. Because, like I said, you took me way out of my comfort (laughs) zone and yeah, I had such an incredible opportunity, you know, connecting with women. And I continue to through Mm -hmm. the, through the Facebook group, um, and through Instagram and see what they're doing. And it inspires me. It really does. And it, you know, puts that thought in my head of like, you know, if I really want this, which I do, there's so many different ways that I can do this and seeing all of these women help to solidify that thought in my head Mm -hmm. where like, it doesn't only have to look one way and you have all of this incredible support. So I'm, yeah, I was so happy to be connected with your group. I'm so happy that, uh, my friend Sydney who runs the, the, uh, the gym told me about your page because uh, it brought us here today yeah. and it brought me to an incredible community that I'm so happy to be a part of. And so 
before we end off the episode, uh, I would like to ask a couple of questions, a couple yeah. of like lightning round questions, just to get yeah. to know you a little yeah. bit more, have the audience get to know you a little bit more outside of women who freelance. Yeah. Uh, and so like try to make the responses as like quick as possible. As quick as possible. Uh, and then, yeah, just to, just to get to know Lana outside of women who freelance. Okay. So, um, it's Friday night and you're done work. Uh, and you have, yeah, you're done the week. What, what are you doing? Oof. Um, it depends on the mood. Obviously I'm either at home watching Netflix or reading a good book, or yeah. I am out salsa dancing because that's something I really like to do. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of great socials in Toronto where you can go and just dance um, yes. with a lot of great leaders. So it's either that or that it really depends how tired I am. That is so yeah. cool. Uh, we need to talk a little bit about yeah. more about that because I want to know where this also place is. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so what is one thing that you would say to eighteen-year-old Lana that you don't have to be put in a box? I think we we talked about this that you're gonna have a lot of really great opportunities if you just you know risk, take a risk, and. Uh, I, th- I think it's that just do what you're doing because I really truly don't regret anything I've done since I was at the age of 18. So yeah. everything has brought me to where I am today. Um, don't doubt yourself and just, just go for it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was such me. a pleasure. Um, where can everyone find you? Yeah. So we're on Instagram at woman. We're on web- on our website, yes. womenwhofreelance.com. You can find us on Instagram at womenwhofreelance.com. CA okay. and um, our Facebook groups are Women of Freelance Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. If you're from one of those cities, definitely join. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lana. It was such a pleasure. And I am so excited to stay connected mm-hmm. and see where Women Who Freelance goes next. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, stay tuned for the next one. <laughs>